Well, good morning. Wonderful to be back up here again. And uh, I think the first time I actually have a live audience. <laughs> I don't know what's scarier, staring at you lovely people or staring at my own face in a TV screen. But I'll probably be able to let you know by the end of, of this message. And thank you, Daryl, for uh, letting me borrow your pulpit this morning. Right, I just want to open in prayer before we go any further. Lord, I thank you for this message that you have given me this morning. Lord, I believe that it's a message inspired by you. And I just pray, Father, that you will anoint the words that I say this morning and just speak into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to be talking this morning under the title of Living Strong. Now, I've been mulling this title over in my mind for about the past month. And it kind of all started coming together around Christmas time, or probably about the week before Christmas, when my brother sort of embarrassingly asked me to uh, do a video recipe that he could post online for his church. Uh, Probably the toughest brief I've ever had to cook for. The brief was, and I've kind of nicked a little bit of this this morning, uh, the brief was finishing strong. So how do we finish strong? And I asked that question at the end of my little video, which wasn't that little. Uh, It went on way too long. Um, But I asked the question, how, how did I finish strong? And my answer was this. I finish strong by trusting in Jesus. I finish strong by relying on his ability. Now, I appreciate that might sound a little bit cliche, might sound a little bit corny, but that is how we can finish strong, and that is, I believe, how we can live strong, by actually trusting in Jesus, by actually relying on his ability. 1 John 3, verse 23, in the Amplified Bible, says, and this is his order, his command, his injunction that we should believe in, put our faith and adhere to and rely on his son, Jesus Christ. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, you can do it if you want. It's an injunction. In other words, it's an order stating a requirement to do something. We've we've kind of been ordered. We need to rely on his son, Jesus Christ. Now, while I was preparing this, I also had two other words that were really, really strong on my heart. Faithfulness, as in God's faithfulness, obviously. And our identity, who we are in Christ. And that's kind of something I want to explore a little bit this morning. So, believing in his ability, as I said, the Bible's pretty clear on it. It's an order. There's something we should do, and for good reason. I mean, why would we not trust in his ability? He is faithful. Deuteronomy 31 verse 5 says, Be strong. Be fearless. 
Don't be afraid and don't be scared by your enemies. Because the Lord your God, who is the one who marches with you, he won't let you down. He won't abandon you. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, throw all your anxiety onto him because he cares about you. And in Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Now we're going to see something really cool. So the Bible's telling us, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't rely on your own limited strength. Trust in Jesus. Because in verse 7, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Jesus Christ. So we can see it wasn't a suggestion. Let's, you know, if you want to, trust in God. And also, at the same time, it isn't a, eh, don't really know why you should trust in God. No, it's because of that peace. We can't even begin to understand it until it comes upon us. And even when it does come upon us, it's still something so difficult to understand that we're just so at peace, that worry, that anxiety, it's just gone. And that is only by trusting in his ability. Now, Relying on his ability means that we are no longer relying on our own ability. And for me, that's hard. Now, we are taught to be self-reliant. We're taught to be self-sustaining. There's obviously nothing wrong in that, but everything is all about me. You know, if you were looking for your purpose in life, we need to focus on us. We need to search our own hearts. We need to search our own minds. But it gets a little bit trickier here, I think, when the Bible is telling us, no, step away from yourself and start to look at Jesus. Put him in the center of everything you do. Now, I said this is hard. For me, it was really hard. Still sometimes is hard. I'm in an industry where to get to the top, it is all about you. There's nobody else to sing your praises. You've got to sing your praises. That's something I kind of struggled with. And, you know, it's, you've got to really make it yourself. And you've got to have this, believe in this own ability inside you, which is almost a God-like ability. And so when I say and stand up here and say, we need to rely on Jesus, and we need to trust him, and we need to allow his identity to become our identity. You know, that is something that I have had to go through myself, and I've had to see, actually, it can be quite hard. Have to make that conscious decision to stop relying on myself. Now, Paul in the New Testament loves to talk about dying to ourselves. And quite honestly, something I've never really been able to get my head around. I've always just thought, dying to yourself? That sounds really, really boring. You know, why would I want to die to myself? 
Surely that's just for Bible times. Can't be relevant for today. But no, what it means is just step out of the way. Step, just stop focusing on yourself. You know, Jesus came for us. He died for us. He rose again for us. Not so that we could live a boring life. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give life abundantly. Or as the message said, to give us a better life than we could possibly imagine. So by dying to ourselves, I think that's the first step. But I think that we really have to make that conscious decision. We need to decide, actually, God, do you know what? I'm just going to step out of the way. And I'm just going to allow your spirit to come in me and dwell in me. And I'm going to allow your unlimitedness just to be in me. And I'm going to now, instead of identifying as, well, looking at my own inner self, no, now I've decided I am just going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to take him with me wherever I go. I'll never forget a preach from Rachel when she stood up here and she was talking about rolling the carpet for Jesus. Every morning, just make that decision before you leave the door. Or now, in lockdown, with whatever it may be that you're doing, maybe you're not leaving the house, maybe you're not one of, the, one of those uh, fortunate or unfortunate few, but, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, doing your work from home, logging on to your emails, whatever it is, getting that first cup of coffee in the morning, helping the kids get their breakfast cereal together and helping them get their homework together, take God in that with you. Have him at the center of all of that. But it's that conscious decision we must decide ourselves. Like Daryl said last week, we need to make it personal. We need to get to that point where it becomes personal for us and we need to actually decide that is what we want to do. Let's take Jesus with us wherever we go. Now, there's another, there's another aspect of stepping out of the way, dying to yourself. It's that little word called humble. We're now humbling ourselves before God. We're acknowledging that we are not the center. And I think in order to do that, we need to get to a point where we can come before God basically with the attitude of, who am I? You know, I think that once we get there, once we get to that point of just coming before him with nothing, just, just us, just in that vulnerable moment of our lives, you know, we get to see what his purpose is for us. Now, I think purpose is a massive area, and I'm not going to go too much into that. But what I do want to touch on is just the foundation of what our purpose is. Micah 6 verse 8 
He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with God. So he's told us, first of all, we need to walk with him. But not only must we walk with him, we need to walk humbly with him. And I think that just simply means, God, you're at the center. Not me. I'm putting myself over there. I'm stepping out of the way. Lord, you have your way in me. Romans 12, verse 1 in the Amplified. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies as a living sacrifice. I think when we get to the point where we realize, actually, hang on a minute, I'm here, my purpose is simply to be a living sacrifice to God. My my, um, purpose is to bring God glory in whatever I do. That is why he created me, to bring him glory, to bring him praise, to bring him worship. And then when we're in that place, that still place of worship, and we've got that relationship, you and your Savior, me and my Savior, me and my God, me and my King, we, are, we have that relationship. I am worshiping him. There's nothing else. My purpose starts to unfold. My identity, all of a sudden, I'm intertwined with him. I've stepped out of the way, all because I made that decision to be humble. I've made that decision to be that living sacrifice for him. Isaiah 43, verse 7 and verse 21. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I created for my glory. God created us for his glory. This people whom I formed myself, who will recount my praise. So there we have it. We've been created to bring him glory. We've been created to bring him praise. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you should do it for God's glory. Again, we're just putting God at the center of our lives. And Psalm 150, verse 6, let every living thing praise the Lord. We then get the realization that we're not living for ourselves. As I've mentioned, we're now living for God. And excuse me. Part of Jesus dying was that we could live that abundant life now. As I've already said. But you know, as I When I said a little while ago, I started this part on who we are in Jesus. And I mentioned that it can be hard. And I found it really hard for myself. Um, Excuse me. Stepping out of the way sometimes just requires, you know, really requires that conscious decision, as I've said. We need to get to a place to make it personal. Now, 
I have been, I was wrestling with God for quite some time over this. I was absolutely convinced that I could be humble before God, but be my proud, arrogant self before anybody else. It just doesn't work that way. Part of my job dictated that that is how I must be. I am the be-all and end-all. It begins with me. As in me. I'm not like being God talking here or anything. No, it begins with me. That, that is kind of where I was. But I knew that that was wrong. But I'd been wrestling with God about this for quite some time. I didn't want to let it go. I was comfortable with it. It was okay. I knew one day maybe, okay, I'll concede. Not today. No. I decided this is who I am. This is who I am going to continue to be. So one morning, while I was work, walking to work, minding my own business, this massive dog comes running out of nowhere. Now, I am not a dog person. Anyone who knows me, we don't have pets, okay? I don't, dogs to me smell, they're hairy, they are not wonderful. I do not like them. However, I understand that there are a lot of people who do. So, if I was describing this to a dog lover, seeing this dog running towards me, I would say things like, this magnificent beast, this beautiful specimen of a dog came majestically running towards me. But no, not me. Not definitely not in the morning on my way to work, okay? What came running towards me was a giant slobbering mutt. I looked at it and I thought, it will probably just go out my way. It better get out of my way. I'm in no mood pursuing a dog away from me this morning. It didn't run away. It ran straight for me. And it went straight into my leg. And I looked down at my leg and I thought, seriously? Clean jeans? This slobbering thing has got its slobber on me? I can feel it on me? I can look at my leg and I can see it. Everyone else is going to see it too. Everyone's going to see this wet patch. Everyone's going to see that I've got dog slobber on me. Everyone is going, people are probably going to smell it as well. I'm going to dog smell on me immediately. Now, bear with me. I'm not calling God a dog in any way. Okay. But I've been wrestling with God about who I am in him about my identity, that it's okay. Do you know what? It's okay. I'll be humble before you, God, but I'm not going to be humble before anybody else. I knew something had to change. And all of a sudden, I was going into work that day with him on me. God decided, do you know what? I'm going to have an encounter with you. We're about to get personal. And whether you like it or not, sunshine, you are taking me with you to work. His scent was on me. You could see him on me. And I could feel him on me. 
Now, if me and God, if someone was standing there taking notes and writing down the conversation, the dialogue between me and God at that very point, it would go a little something like this. God said, whether you like it or not, I'm coming with you today. And I said, fine, you win. I heard something great the other day. When you let God win, you don't lose. In every other situation in the world where there's a winner, there must be a loser, except for when God wins. When you let God win, you don't lose. Now in Micah 5, verses 14 to 16, you are the light of the world, a city on top of a hill that can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who dwell in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. So that dog slobber on me, that was kind of like the light. And God saying, you know, you're taking me with you to work. People are going to see it, so don't try and hide it. You've got no choice. I've taken that choice away from you, basically. Okay? When God wins, you don't lose. God says, I put my mark on you. You are mine. Now your identity becomes intertwined with God's. His mark is on you. We belong to him. And we're starting to trust in his abilities, his unlimited supernatural abilities. And we're taking him wherever we go. We're in that place of constant worship with him. It doesn't mean that we need to be walking with our eyes closed and singing. It just means, you know, we have that attitude. We're taking that atmosphere with us. You know, maybe you're just humming a little bit at work or whatever, but it's just changing atmospheres around you. And that is what I believe it is to be dying to yourself. Now, the last time I stood up here, I went quite in-depth, well, sort of in-depth, I guess, into the story of Mephibosheth. And while I was preparing these notes, I just reminded of Mephibosheth. Now, we're not going to go through it all again. We know the story well. Okay, Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Now, the account of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel likes to make mention a few times in there that Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. He also had a bit of an identity problem. He saw himself as a dead dog. When King David called him into his court to bestow upon him all the blessings and, all, and restore everything because of his, co- his covenant with Jonathan, Mephibosheth was like, but who am I? Of what significance am I, that you would do this for me? And isn't that how we should be when we, become, when we come before our king, when we come before the Lord? Who am I? Now also, his identity called him, caused him to hide in shame. But we do not need to hide in shame because Jesus took our shame from us at the cross. What I do just want to look at here, though, is 
Mephibosheth thought absolutely nothing of himself. Now, when we think nothing of ourselves and bring that to Jesus, and we just come before his cross and we lay down our shame before him, that is when he makes us significant. Now, as I said, the account keeps mentioning he was lame in both feet. It even, the story even finishes with the words, and he was lame in both feet. What I want to say about that this morning is it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're carrying. Whatever it is this morning that you think Jesus can't handle, that you think maybe he won't forgive you for it, whatever it could be. Sometimes we're in the position of, let me just sort that out myself. When I'm ready, then I'll come to Jesus. No. Whatever it is that's holding you back, whether you don't know Jesus or whether you've known him for years, but there's still just something holding you back from just really getting into that purpose. Just bring it to him. Just lay it at his feet. He will forgive you. He will take that. His supernatural ability will just start manifesting in your life. As I said, it starts with a humble heart. And as I was pondering on the idea of a humble heart, that beautiful hill song that we so often sing came to my mind. And we're basically singing this over ourselves. We're singing this identity that we should have, maybe without even realizing it, over ourselves in this song. It starts, who am I? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? The highest king. He has welcomed you. He has welcomed me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm free at last. I've been ransomed. Jesus paid that debt for me on the cross. He paid that debt for you on that cross. His grace runs deep. And now we get to see in the song that we sing so many Sundays who we are. We are chosen. We are not forsaken. He's for me. He's not against me. And that is what I believe our identity should be. And that is what I believe living strong is all about. Just that complete childlike trust in Jesus. Yes, it's not what we've been taught, but it is what we should be doing. Amanda and the band, would you like to come back up? Now, we all know the story of the Israelites. The Israelites wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Okay? There's many, well, there's a few theories, I guess, as to why they wandered the wilderness for 40 years. There are some people who say that should have taken them 40 days. But we all know 
the basic concept. The Israelites wandered the wilderness for 40 years. And in that 40 years, God was faithful to them. Now, the Israelites were slaves in a foreign land in Egypt for hundreds of years, but God delivered them. When they were being chased out of Egypt by Pharaoh's armies, and they came to the Red Sea, and there was a sea in front of them and the armies behind them, God didn't just abandon them. God didn't just say, oh, I've brought you that far. Sorry, guys, you're on your own now. No, he parted the sea. The Israelites walked through on dry ground. God provided them while they were wandering. When they were hungry, he provided them manna. When they needed shade during the day, he was a pillar of cloud. He was a pillar of fire by night. God provided for them in their place of limbo, in their wilderness. Now the great thing is, he didn't, also, he didn't keep them in their wilderness forever. Forty years was a long time, but he took them out. Okay. Now in the wilderness, the Israelites learned a few things. Obviously they saw his power, they saw his miracles, they saw that God wasn't going to let them down. In the wilderness, the Israelites learned to trust God. In the wilderness, the Israelites learned to believe in his abilities. And in the wilderness, the Israelites saw God's faithfulness. It's where God revealed himself to the Israelites. The wilderness is where the Israelites established their identity as the people of God. And if you're going through a wilderness right now, if you're stuck in limbo, guess what? God will meet you right there in that place. He will meet you in that place of despair, in that place of desolation, in that place of limbo. He will show you His power. He will deliver you. He will show you He is faithful. And just like the Israelites had their identities in Him forged in the wilderness, so you can have your identity in Christ forged in your place of limbo. Psalm 91 in the Amplified Bible sums it up perfectly, and I'm going to close with this this morning. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress. My God, on Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. Then He will cover you with His pinions. Under His wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and His faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. This is why we trust in God. This is why we believe in His abilities. Because He's faithful. He will protect us. He's our shield. He's our fortress. And then if you jump down to verses 14 and 15, all of a sudden, 
the narrative changes of the scripture and it's no longer the psalmist writing and talking to God. It's now God talking to you and talking to me because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. We set our love upon the Lord and he will deliver us. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. He has a personal knowledge of my mercy, a personal knowledge of my love and kindness. In other words, I have said, yes, Lord, I will step out of the way. I will stop making it about myself. I want that personal knowledge of you. I want your identity to become mine. Knowing I will never forsake you. No, never. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Maybe you are that person this morning. Maybe you are in a wilderness. Maybe you're in a limbo. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you've been a Christian for many years. Maybe you just need a fresh touch from him this morning. Let me tell you, he will deliver you. He will not let you down. He will not forsake you. He doesn't know how. It doesn't matter what we've done. His faithfulness isn't dependent on our character. His faithfulness is only dependent on his own character. It does not matter. It does not matter how we see ourselves. It doesn't matter Bring it to the Lord this morning. If that is you and you are at home, you will see at the end of the service there will be a screen with how to get in touch. Get in touch with us, please. And there will be someone at the church who would love to pray with you.